Welcome to this episode of Beads Podcast, a weekly reflection on church history with Dr. Michael A.G. Haken. Dr. Haken serves as the chair and professor of church history at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he is on the core faculty of Heritage Theological Seminary in Cambridge, Ontario. He's also a fellow of the Royal Historical Society in recognition of his contributions to historical scholarship. Join us now as we seek to see what God has done in the history of his people. Dr. Haken, we have heard lots about the 18th century Baptist minister, Andrew Fuller. We know him as the elephant of Kettering, and we know him as the greatest theologian who ever served uh, the Baptist denomination. But can you tell us more about him as a father and uh, as a family man? That's a, that's a very important area. Um, <clears throat> in the case of some theologians, uh, we have nothing, you know, or very little about their family lives. Um, you know, with Calvin, for example, um, uh, we don't have tons. We have some material. Uh, with Fuller, thankfully, we do have. Um, not so much on his marriage, but we do have a, a substantial amount that we can, we can understand uh, the way he viewed himself as a father and the way he acted as a father. Um, so Fuller was born in 1754, died in 1815. As you say, he was, he is regarded as probably the greatest Baptist theologian in the last half of the, the 18th century. Uh, definitely, you know, the period between the 1770s and the 18, probably the 1840s, 1850s, uh, easily. There's nobody, uh, who would come close to being as, as important a theologian, uh, as Fuller, in the latter period, maybe James Pettigrew Boyce in the United States might be close. Um, <clears throat> but um, this whole area of, of marriage and family and him being a father is you know, often overlooked. Um, he was married uh, on uh, Dece- in December of 1776 to his first wife. He was married twice. His first wife would die in childbirth um, or subsequent to childbirth. Um, Sarah Gardner was his first wife. She lived from 1756 uh, to 1792. So she was uh, 20 when she died. Uh, Sorry, 20 when she married and then uh, lived another uh, uh, 16 years or so in uh, married life. Um, They had 11 children in those 16 years. Um, Seven of them died in infancy. Um, three buried were buried in Soham, where Fuller began his ministry in 1775 and was there until 1782. And then four at Kettering, where he went in 1782 and was there for the rest of his life till 1815. Um, two children, uh, so four survived the infancy of that first marriage. Um, that's a lot of children to bury. Um, uh seven uh, in infancy there. And that is not atypical of this period. A lot of large families, but many of them would only have two or three children who would survive into adulthood. Uh, In this case, uh, there were four children who survived infancy, but two of them predeceased Fuller. Uh, Sarah, who died at the age of seven, and then Robert, who died at the age uh, of 27 or so. Fuller's first wife uh, died in 1792, uh, giving birth to their 11th child, whom he named Bathoni, uh, meaning grief. 
um, uh, kind of a play on from uh, Benoni, who was the uh, the name that Rachel gave to Benjamin. She dying in childbirth. Um, two years later, after the death of uh, Sarah, Fuller married a second uh, wife, or Fuller married again, and his second wife. Uh, she was the daughter of a pastor, Ann Coles, um, and she would survive Carrie, sorry, survive Fuller uh, by 10 years. She would die in 1825, having been born in 1763. Um, he, uh, Fuller and Anne, had six children. And of those six children, three uh, died in infancy. And one, Sarah, only lived into her late teens, and she died just a year after her father. And the remaining two were sons, Andrew Gunton, um, who's a very important figure in Fuller's scholarship because he arranges for the publication of Fuller's works, writes a memoir, and then uh, William Fuller, um, his other son who survived into adulthood. So of 17 children then, uh, uh, 10 died in infancy that Fuller buried, and another before she was 10. And uh, of those 17 children, seven uh, were mourned by Fuller and his two wives. Um, it's a bit of a startling figure, but it's pretty typical of this period. Uh, for example, <clears throat> um, Cotton Mather had um, 15 children, the Puritan leader in Boston. He buried 13 of them under the age of two. And that is quite typical. Uh, very untypical would be somebody like Jonathan Edwards, who was born into a family of 10 sisters. He was the only boy. Uh, and um, all of them survived into adulthood. Or he had 11 children, and all of them survived. That was very, very, very unusual. Um, it's estimated in this period that one in two English children uh, didn't reach their 10th birthday. And so Fuller's experience then was more the norm than the exception. When he remarried, and I think this gives you a great insight into Fuller's um, character uh, in his home. When he remarried, his mother, Philippa Fuller, um, uh, said that she pitied the children from his first marriage because he was marrying um, a woman who would then become their stepmother. And that doesn't always work out well. And she, she uh, said that she wouldn't have made a good stepmother. And um, uh, Fuller, Fuller's uh, response to that was, well, uh, to his mother, he, always the plain speaker, he indicated that um, uh, she was reasoning from her own experience to his. Now, because she wouldn't have made a good stepmother, it didn't mean that Fuller um, wouldn't have been a kind father. Um, with uh, if he was marrying a woman who had children and that were not his own, and so that gives you, I think, an, 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 some impact, some in, in, insight, I think, into Fuller's um, Fuller's own thinking about himself as a father. Yeah, that, that's really helpful. Would you be able to tell us more, maybe, about uh, Sarah? Yeah, so Sarah Fuller was the 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 born to the. His first uh, wife, uh, Sarah Gardner, so she's obviously named after her mother, uh, born in Soham uh, in December of 1779, at which time Fuller wrote in his diary that he had committed her to God. And um, 
Baptists would not have practiced widely what we call baby dedication, which does happen in Baptist churches. Um, there is some ind ind indication that it was beginning to happen, but there's no indication that Fuller did this uh, in any sort of public ceremony. But privately, um, he committed her to God, and it's something in, in, he mentions in his diary a number of times, renewing that commitment. And um, uh, she was a vivacious child as she grew up, um, but always had a delicate constitution. Um, she became proficient in spelling and reading, <clears throat> and outwardly was obedient, uh, extremely obedient to her parents. Fuller would later recall that there was only one occasion when he had to spank her. And that was when she told a lie at the age of four, which she didn't forget and uh, uh, kind of haunted her as a young, little young child. In 1785, the year before her death, uh, she was taken ill with the measles in December of 1785 at the home of Fuller's close friend, John Ryland. And um, she got over the measles, but it weakened her constitution uh, during the early months of 1786 so much so that she was prey to various colds and fevers. And uh, one evening in March of 1786, uh, she's in bed and uh, Fuller is having a conversation with her, which he recorded in his diary. And uh, she asked him uh, to pray with her and to pray for her. And uh, this is the way the, 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 the dialogue went, the conversation went in, in the diary. What do you wish me to pray for, my dear? said I. She answered that God would bless me and keep me and save my soul. Do you think then, he said, that you're a sinner? Yes, father, she replied. Fearing that she did not understand what she said, I asked her, what is sin, my dear? She answered, telling a story. I understood this and it went to my heart. Fuller is remembering the incident when she was four, two years earlier, uh, when she told a lie. What then, I said, you remember, do you, having my having corrected you once for telling a story? Yes, Father. Are you grieved, Fuller said, for having so offended God? Yes, Father. I, I asked her if she didn't try to pray for herself. She answered, I sometimes try, but I don't know how to pray. I wish you would pray for me till I can pray for myself. As I continued to sit by her, she appeared much dejected. This is the way Fuller wrote in his diary. I asked her the reason. She said, I'm afraid I should go to hell. My dear said I, who told you so? Oh, nobody, said she, but I know if I do not pray to the Lord, I must go to hell. I then went to prayer with her, Fuller wrote in his diary, with many tears. It became evident over the next few weeks that she was not getting better in terms of her health, and um, her condition worsened, and Fuller spent extra time with her, sometimes taking her out riding or carrying her as he walked in the fields near Kettering, all the while uh, speaking to her the pleasures of heaven. One day as she was lying in bed, her uh, fuller wrote, read to her from the last verses of Revelation 7 and spoke of the joy of being in the presence of Christ for eternity. He hoped the passage would cheer her up, but it appears initially it had the opposite effect. Fuller asked his daughter why she was unhappy. She refused to answer and remained silent. Fuller asked her if she was afraid to go to heaven. Yes, she answered. But what makes you afraid, my dear? Her father tenderly inquired of her. Her answer and her own response again were, related, were noted in Fuller's diary. 
Because, said she, with a tone of grief that pierced me to the heart, I've sinned against the Lord. True, my dear, said I, you have sinned against the Lord, but the Lord is more ready to forgive you if you are grieved for offending him than I can be to forgive you when you are grieved for offending me. And you know how ready I am to do that. I then told her of the great grace of God and the love of Christ to sinners. I told her of his mercy in forgiving a poor wicked thief who, when he was dying, prayed to him to save his soul. And at this she seemed cheered but said nothing. Uh, it soon became obvious to Fuller and his wife, Sarah, that there was very little that they could do to prevent her death. And uh, Fuller became importunate in praying for the salvation of her soul. And on one occasion, he records in his diary how he was so overwrought, he threw himself on the floor, uh, crying and weeping to God to save her. And wrote in his diary, oh, I could give up their bodies, but I want to see piety reigning in them. He's thinking of his other children as well as uh, Sarah before they go hence. When it became evident that she was dying, his heart was racked with grief. In fact, so uh, grief-stricken did he become that he actually fell ill. And it was while he was ill in bed that his daughter died on May the 30th, 1786, at six and a half years old. She was buried two days later on June the 1st. And though still quite weak from his own illness, Fuller attended his daughter's funeral and noted in his diary later that day, I feel in general now a degree of calm resignation. Surely there is solid reason to hope she has not lived in vain. And if she is but reared for God, it matters not when she died. I feel a solid pleasure in reflecting on our own conduct and our education. Surely we endeavored to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I trust our endeavors were not in vain. Beads Podcast is in partnership with H&E Publishing, a reformed and Canadian publishing house seeking to spread the steadfast love and faithfulness of Christ through the publication of church history, biblical spirituality, Christian living, and theology. Join us next time as we seek to see what God has done in the history of His people.